Time to go to the eye doctor, Rachel. No, wait. Why did you actually say that? Because <laughs> I legitimately have a text today from my optometrist saying I'm due for an appointment. <laughs> I was only going to say it because we're talking about vision. Star Wars Visions, oh. volume two, that is. <laughs> I legitimately got a text messages from my office like, you need to come in for an appointment. <laughs> I'm actually due for an appointment, like an assignment. It's this been- is so awful far off topic it's not my fault <laughs> what is it is no it's I not no it's not i it's was setting up not. a dumb joke and you start talking about eye appointments this is because it's on on topic uh-huh. well it's wednesday night and we are in my house tonight not rachel's apartment no athena's not here and yeah no kitty cat unfortunately but it is still star formers night nonetheless welcome to rebels and robots i'm cameron i'm rachel this is a podcast a weekly chat where we talk about star wars and ah i caught you (laughs) transformers i caught a right drink you thought you were done but you are not done and you will not be done for the next... I'm thirsty, uh, I'm sorry. ...hour or so of this podcast. I didn't touch it while we watched anything. <laughs> You've had that drink the whole time? I have had that drink. That's so sad. I would. That's got to be gross by now. No, it's fine. It's still cold. It's still cold, but is it carbonated? Yeah. Shocking. I don't get ice. I hate Sonic drinks. I, I, don't, I, don't, gross. I, don't, I don't get ice. So. This is all off topic. We are here to talk about... Star Wars and Transformers today we'll be talking about the next three episodes of Star Wars Visions Volume 2. But before that, as always, news, thoughts, opinions, dreams, anything that's happened in the last <laughs> week. Um, I've got quite a bit. So, um, uh, this is actually about Transformers news for once. Yeah. Um, so, apparently, so they did an interview with uh, some of the... Uh, actors from rise of the beasts and so the crew actually filmed at machu picchu in south america peru i believe and so this is the first time a movie has ever been allowed to film at the sacred location any movie ever ever. (laughs) what so um fishbach told ew at cinemacon we had a shaman come in and bless the film what uh there where she and uh uh, Ramos were honored with Rising Stars of the Year Award. Quote, the shaman came um, and she goes on she goes, butterflies remind me of my grandmother and afterwards a butterfly stayed in the middle of the set for 15 minutes and th- she goes on talking about this mm-hmm. butterfly. But um, in addition to the shaman blessing, no one was allowed to eat or drink anything on the site and they couldn't step on any of the stones either. Interesting choice of film to allow to record there. For the Which first someone time. immediately posted a screenshot under this tweet from the trailer of the Autobots stepping on the stones. Then I said anything about CGI characters. So here's my thought. I hope they don't give Machu Picchu the pyramid tra- the pyramid treatment. Oh, like from Revenge of the Fallen, <laughs> Revenge where the it Fallen? gets destroyed by the yeah. villain, revealing, revealing that there's like a... What does that weapon do? They like suck the energy out of the sun or something? Yeah. You could almost call it... A star killer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> and we come full circle. Um, I have more news. I don't know what you have. Um, so I also have some Transformers news. Transformers. Um, they released a bunch of new posters this this week. Again? Yeah, exactly. Confirming exactly what I thought previously is 
this movie's marketing has no central identity. They're just throwing whatever they can. Um, hence, Optimus Prime, within a month of or two, appearing at both the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards and Coachella. So here's some of the new hey, posters. Hey, he deserves to be there as much as anyone else. <laughs> so I actually quite like these posters. I think they're pretty well designed. Oh. But um, they get worse as they go along. This oh, first no. one's pretty sick. We've got... Um, it's got... Like, the top half of Optimus Prime, like, in the sky, and at, at his waist level, you have also Optimus Prime in truck form, smashing into another truck. In the foreground. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sick. Scourge, that's Scourge. And then um, <laughs> then we've got Optimus Primal, fighting Monkey. what I assume is Scorponok. Mm. So it's a very similar design. You've got him, his top half of him in the air, in the sky, then him uh, at the bottom, fighting... A villain. Also, this like is a good selling selling in the movie. I think it looks really cool. Then you've got Mirage at the bottom, not fighting anyone, but it's him in car form with the holograms that we saw in the trailer. Still an interesting, well designed poster, I think. You go back again. You've got Bumblebee, Bumblebee. fighting another villain, and then things the 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 design choices change for some reason. You've got. Uh, do you know you have any idea who this who this is? You know who that is. Is is it? It's RC. Oh, okay. Yes. Uncultured. And instead of fighting a villain, she's uh, riding alongside... Who's this guy? Wheeljack. Wheeljack. So she's... She didn't get her own character poster. I well, mean, she did, but... But then... So then you've got Wheeljack's poster, and it's the exact same image that... Oh... <gasps> <gasps> they just copy and paste it. So uh, they in, just cut her out. Yeah, isn't that weird? So, so in in RC justice for our girl in RC's poster, she's in the top half, and the, she's on she's like like running in the bottom half, and she's running beside a van, which is another Autobot RC. And then in RC's, it's the exact same image. Oh, sorry, yeah, Wheeljack. It's the exact same image at the bottom, just without her. It's kind of hard to describe, but justice for it's her just, I, mm. for some reason both posters have the exact same but like it's the exact same position on the poster the graphic designer hit the um deadline <laughs> the 10 minute yeah. deadline yeah it is it's just a as i was flipping through these it just was a bizarre choice that really whacked me out but then there whacked. were also some really cool posters I don't think this really resembles like the tone or style of the movie, but I think they're really interesting. Ooh. It's like Optimus Prime's face spray painted on a city this wall. It's like visions. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And then you also have Optimus Primal's face as well. Monkey. So uh, I thought those were really well-designed posters. And then there's also this one. of oh, This is the 4DX the poster. The Maximals. Yeah. I I don't think the movie's going to have this like more like color-oriented aesthetic at all. Sad. But I thought they were nice posters. They look nice. It's like... um. It's like, it's kind of like with Spider-Man Homecoming or was it it was No Way Home where um they released the typical floating character pyramid head and then released all the good posters later. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. What else you got? Um so this is this is Star Wars news. So with the writer strike going on, mm-hmm. um Tony Gilroy has officially ceased production services on Andor. Yeah. which is filming right now mm-hmm. but he will no longer be on set assisting yeah so a lot of shows have just shut down production altogether 
Um, some shows are that are fully written are continuing on, um, and a lot of those productions are being criticized because, as a lot of writers say, writing it doesn't cease at the production level. Mm-hmm. Like writers, according to these these writers who are striking, writers should be on the set. You know, because things change. Like directors yep. make decisions, and for the writers not to be there is probably it, it depends on the production. It depends on the on how different workflows work. But um, you can definitely see where there'd be somewhat a conflict of interest between striking, being a writer, and you're technically striking, mm-hmm. and you're being a producer and mm-hmm. staying on set, which Tony Gilray is both. Mm-hmm. And so he was he received some criticism for remaining on the set, even though the writers were striking, yeah. and he himself is a writer. Um, and so he's decided to not continue uh, his producing uh, mm-hmm. responsibilities while the strike is continuing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yes, pay the writers. There's like the tiny 2% per- of me that's like, oh, man, mm-hmm. makes me a little nervous because I feel like Tony's influence in Andor and Rogue One is so obvious mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I would hope his absence wouldn't mean a lack. Yeah, I, I would kind of just... Ho- this might just mean that they stop production until yeah. like the show's gonna get made. Yeah, it's gonna get made. I think um so uh streaming series that have already been mostly written are not gonna suffer because I think mm-hmm. the last so infamously, the last time there was a major writer strike was like two thousand eight and a lot of shows um just were totally ruined. You know Heroes, what we got during that one. time? What? Revenge of the Fallen. Oh shoot! You're right. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because it came out the next year. That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah, that um, is clearly a movie made without a script. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but I think part of the reason why a lot of television shows were probably ruined or or didn't come out lost. so good. I heard Lost suffered, but that also might have just been Lost. I always lost. just assumed that was them not having an ending because J.J. Abrams. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's possible, but I assume that I always thought the same writer stayed on. I don't know. I don't J. J. know. J.J. Abrams slander on the podcast? Uh-huh. Look, hey, I think he's a good storyteller. I like him. He's just not very good with endings. Um, no. Television shows back in that day, and, and still, obviously, still have networks, they still had to hit their deadline mm-hmm. of the next year. Mm-hmm. Streaming series can come out whenever the they want. they want. Example, Bad Bad. <laughs> They can just be like, ah, push it back six months. Who cares? No one's noticing. It's fine. So I would rather them, my point is they can very easily wait Mm -hmm. and put out a good Andor season two rather than rushing it Mm -hmm. or trying to continue on without the writers. Mm -hmm. But also I think it was far enough in production that even if they still make it, I won't be particularly happy about it. But, you know, but also like there's still people who need to get paid. Like there's lots of other people other than writers. I respect Mm -hmm. the writers. I'm glad they're striking. They deserve to to stand their ground and get what they want. But if a show's already been written and it's already ready to go ahead for production, lots of other people who need to get paid. And um, I think it's easy to forget about those people. Caterers, makeup artists, production assistants. Sure. Camera. Oh, absolutely. Lots camera, of Camera, special so effects, many people. CGI artists. So I don't... We're not bashing totally on writers dis- by any means. I totally do not disrespect the choice of anyone really involved to either strike or continue production. Um, I think if you were to continue production without a finished script from the original person, I think that would be not cool. Yeah. Um, even, you know, it's, it's all it's all tricky. It's all very complicated. And unfortunately, normally the little guy is the one who gets hurt, not mm-hmm. the big producers. Yeah. But nonetheless, what else you got? I found this out today. 
So Jess Harnell, Harnell, who voices Ironhide in the Michael Bay movies. Okay. Also voices Wacko from the Animaniacs. Oh, very good. And I don't know. I saw that and it just floored me. And I thought that was newsworthy because everyone else needs to know that knowledge now that I know it. <laughs> Jess, John, now I want to see what else he's voiced. Jess Harnell. Oh, yes. I didn't recognize his name, but I, I've seen his photo. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of the like 10 voice actors you're pr- prone to see in just about any animated thing. He's in a lot. Um, and He's a bunch of voices in Mr. Peabody and Sherman, including Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. <laughs> um the range let's see if there's anything else interesting here um i wonder if he's played another transformer or star wars character he's in star trek lower decks uh he was a voice in both oh i did not realize this came out the same year this is crazy star wars jedi knight jedi academy and star wars knights of the republic both came That's out in 2003 and he did a voice in both of them he's the voice of the republic soldier as well as a character named Gran, and he's the voice of the Trandoshan alien. I guess I would, I would assume just the uh, generic Trandoshan yeah. um, in Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, which if you've never played Jedi Academy, highly recommend. I actually haven't. Um, so that's that's fun that he's, he's done some Star Wars work. Uh, he also was the voice of IG-88, Candy Mundi, and Stam Wreath in the Galactic Republic Galactic Battlegrounds clone campaigns. Galactic, oh. Galactic Battlegrounds was a very popular Star Wars real-time strategy. Hmm. In Lilo and Stitch, he played Hawaiian Man. <laughs> that narrows it down. Is that... That's not Ice Cream Man, is it? No, I don't think he talks. Oh, you're right. Oh, I felt so bad for him as a child. That whole character. Mm, I don't know. I just pitied him. Um, what else do you got? Um, I don't have any other news for this week. I don't know if this is necessarily news, but someone posted a TikTok where the AMC theater accidentally overlaid the Little Mermaid trailer and Rise of the Beast trailer. And they accidentally played over each other at the same time, and they kind of worked. You want to see it? Yes. Oh, sorry. I reached my time limit on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ignore that limit for the day. So you've got both trailers playing over one another, but you only have the audio from the Little Mermaid trailer, the live action Little Mermaid trailer. <laughs> this is a next level level kind of art, I think. <laughs> and it kind of speaks to the formulaic nature of movie trailers that both logos show up at almost the exact same time i love it i love it though the guy cheering same uh i'm still looking at uh jess harnell's imdb (laughs) he was the voice of darth maul in star wars racer revenge which was effectively uh star wars version of uh um well, maybe. I mean, is this the game, same game I'm thinking of? No, this was a no. There was, I. You know what? Quick aside. 
no one has ever talked about it. At least I've never seen it brought up anywhere. But I remember playing it like at a video game store. There was a Star Wars video game that was pod racing or it was racing, but like it was much more akin to uh, something like Mario Kart where you had the spaceship, but the spaceship was small and the character's head was really big and it was coming out the top. I know of what you're talking ship. about. Um, this game is called Star Wars Racer Revenge and it it's the sequel to Star Wars uh the podcast uh, the pod racing game not podcast huh? uh so, Which one? Okay, so the, the famous star wars racing game that everyone loves is the star wars episode one racer mm. that's the pod racing one this is the sequel that no one ever talks about called racer revenge hmm. it's just a straight up sequel um that i'm surprised no one ever really talks about this they really the star wars video game there's so many there's a range. it goes real deep um you don't really yeah i've definitely recognized this cover this was like the next generation when they came out on ps2 um seemingly exclusive to ps2 anyways way off track he was the voice of darth maul in this game thought that was interesting uh he was also in star wars obi-wan which is another underrated star wars game that you never hear about which was the first level is you play as Obi-Wan completing the Star Wars Trials. I never would have guessed you'd have Not played Star as Obi-Wan. Wars. Jedi, yeah. Uh-huh. The Jedi Trials. Um, and which is not technically canon. I believe by defeating Darth Maul was mm. technically his trial. But it's like a test. It, what it is in the video game, it's just like the tutorial level. And then you go out and you do uh, missions as Obi-Wan. Um and in this game, uh, Jess Harnell again was the voice of Kiati Mundi. Hmm. And in the original Battleground, he's the voice of Darth Maul <laughs> and the Gungan Bolo Trooper. Pre Sam Witwer. He's also in Star Wars Starfighter. Gosh. Star Wars Demolition. I've never heard of that one. Star Wars Episode 1 Jedi Power Battles. There's so many Star Wars video games. It's crazy. Um, what other you got any other news or anything yeah i have two things um this one's a little this is a little bit of a long segment so i did finish the star wars book from a certain point of view for a new hope cool which kind of goes through different points of view of uh excuse me of characters during a new hope there is like uh, for example there's a chapter from Aunt Beru's POV, mm -hmm. um, which made me really sad. Oh no! It was post death. It was like it was, but um, there's like six chapters of people in the most Isley Cantina. I was sick of those chapters. <laughs> there's only so many, <laughs> only so many times. Um, there's a Greedo chapter. There is um, various Imperial officer chapters, especially during um, when. Luke and Ben and Han Solo invade the Death Star and they're all like, what the heck is going on in Quadrant 4? <laughs> There's a POV from the Trash Monster. Interesting. Which was, it was interesting. Um, There's one from Bale and Brea Organa's POV on mm -hmm. Alderaan, which, ooh, that one was hard. Um, But one, there's one on Yoda's POV. And it's his POV mm. um, 
uh, when Obi-Wan dies. Oh, wow. But so anyways, so we, I, I took some pictures. So there are some comments that I thought were very interesting. Um, and it's Yoda kind of reminiscing on his failures with Anakin. And, and he wants to train um, emphasize young Skywalker. So I'm just going to read some quotes from you that I thought were very interesting. And Anakin... If only what had happened to Anakin had not been shadowed and perceived from them all. No, that was not true. If only he had perceived the paths that Anakin was beginning to follow. It was his own failing. That was why it would have been so important for him to train the young Skywalker. What might she have done to bring her father back? Mm. And then he goes on and says, and to this disappointment now, Obi-Wan gone from this world. What did this mean for that other Skywalker whose impatience and anger were terrible weaknesses? Mm. And this whole chapter is Yoda thinking about how much he needs to train Leia. Wow. And so there's some more comments. Um, uh, I think a couple, like the next two pages later. He had not seen the path the young Padawan Anakin had begun to take. He had missed his chance with the young Skywalker. And what would happen with this other reckless Skywalker, the one who was as angry as his father had been? Um, and there's a, so it's kind of interesting seeing this point of view that Yoda has of mm -hmm. Luke, um, and that his preferred Padawan would have been Leia. Hmm. Um, at one point, Obi-Wan does show up, force ghosty all, um, cause he's dead. <laughs> um, and so this is a conversation between Obi-Wan and, um, Yoda with Obi-Wan starting. Master, I want you to take on a new Padawan. You do, do you? I am not going to do a Yoda impression on this podcast. <laughs> I want you to train young Skywalker. Yoda felt his heart thrill. He had not imagined it he had not imagined it could have happened, but here it was. Yes. You agree so quickly. Long have I wanted to train her. Master, I want you to train Luke. Yoda looked at the shimmering face. No, he said. He stamped his cane on the floor. That is not the one. Not ready is he. Who is ever ready? Not that one. A Jedi must have the deepest commitment. That one looks from one cloud to the other. A Jedi must have the most serious mind. That one, that one cannot keep his mind from his speeder. Not him, her. Master, he will not finish what he begins. He is reckless. Master, and well we know the path a reckless one will set his foot. So, um, they continued talking and then um i have two more pictures sorry mm -hmm. i just thought this was very interesting info um no that was actually it for the yoda chapter that i took so it was just an interesting i think and i believe this came out before last jedi hmm. i believe this one has been out for a while it came out after rogue one there's been some mentions of Lethal and such. And I'm like, mm. I'm not on that planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There's an interesting uh, picture from... Uh, oh, I did skip one. My bad. We'll go back to Yoda really quick. Um, and so uh, there's another comment that Yoda, that Yoda says, the other Skywalker I would train. She is ready. Um, and you know, kind of more conversation goes. And if I try to teach this rash, this impatient, this mindless boy the ways of the force and fail, what then? So, 
I don't know, it's just really interesting conversation of um, Yoda's opinion of Luke, which mm. is not very high. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking about this this last week of Leia and her differences from Luke. And ultimately, I was, th- I was thinking about the connection between what you talked about, which was Leia hating Vader and the idea that he was her father. And I thought about the line from episode seven, where she says to Han about Kylo, there's too much Vader in him. Mm-hmm. That she is pretty unforgiving person at least in respect to I think that comes the dark side hand in hand with your planet getting nuked mm-hmm. oh sure i totally understandable but like if that is i mean based on her perception of both vader and kylo mm-hmm. she would not have been able to save vader that's the whole point it really ultimately it comes down she would have killed him <laughs> it comes down to you cannot and especially in this world of extreme evil and extreme good of literal magic it, you cannot just kill your enemy which is the what it's i think it's kind of bungled but that is kind of no that is what rose is going for in episode you can't eight. you can't it's kind of like you can't fight hate with hate you yeah. can't fight violence with mm-hmm. more violence kind of thing and in this universe literally speaking if you kill the Sith Lord, he wins because that's what he wants. And so in this story, the only way to win is to turn one of the villains. Um, I mean, you do have to kill Palpatine, but not in anger. Well, it depends on who you are. I mean, do we also almost not see that in Visions, the first vision, uh, Sith? Mm-hmm. He, she killed him and he goes, oh, you're the Sith master now. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yeah. And dips out to whatever sith afterlife there is and so honestly while leia's perception of vader is totally understandable and would be agreed upon by like 99.9 percent of the galaxy mm-hmm. luke's naivety naivety i can never remember how naivety to, yeah i can never remember how to pronounce it Na- luke's naivety, naivety. <laughs> yes is what leads him to believe that vader can and should be turned mm-hmm. and what like doesn't matter if it's right or he's right in the Luke's end. Luke's sheltering from the war. Mm, yeah, really aided him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, good, good, interesting topic. Do you have any other news or anything? I do, and then we can we can move on to the actual content. Okay. Um, this was just really funny. There's a Lando chapter in this at okay. the end of um, it's the last one I think, and so he's in a bar. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, this thing that just happened. This is immediately after the Death Star was destroyed. Um, And so he goes, um, uh, Lobot card called to the bartender who's with uh, Lando. Oh, cool. Can you run that feed again? Bartender nodded amiably and reached for a control stick. Uh, for the large hollow screen mounted above the bar. Sure, O'Cole said. You know, I've watched that thing ten times and I'm still not sick of it. Grainy footage appeared on the screen, sharpening up after a few initial bits of static. It looked like it was shot from the point of view of a starfighter, something long-nosed zipping through space. What is this? Lando asked. And this is the part that just made me crack up that this part exists. The Rebellion just leaked it on the dark net. It's getting play all over the place. And so... <laughs> and it goes on... What happens is one of the um, X-Wings basically filmed 
the mm-hmm. Battle of mm-hmm. Yavin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they uploaded it to the dark net afterward, which mm-hmm. is just funny because I just wasn't expecting. It's like, a, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just really funny. This reminds me, I saw a meme or just a, a post meme. somewhere, something. I, I haven't bothered to fact check this, but supposedly there's some piece of expanded universe uh, narrative that has a character who's a conspiracy theorist who thinks the Death Star never existed <laughs> and that it was a piece of... Uh, Rebel propaganda? Oh, it was a piece of Imperial propaganda. Oh. Prior to it being destroyed, and then the Rebels spread a lie that it got destroyed, that they destroyed it, so that the, the Imperials could never say it never existed because they created it. And uh, her evidence for this is that she'd seen recordings, and in one recording, there's a big ring in the explosion, and in one recording, there's not. And this is a meta joke, because in the original version, there's a very simple explosion, and in the special edition explosion mm-hmm. of the Death Star, there's a big explosion ring. That's, so it's a meta joke about there being good. different versions of the explosion. That's good. That's good. So that, that related to the, there being recordings of uh, the Death Star explosion. That's good. Um, I thought you would appreciate this. this is from Jedi Survivor, um, which I am now like five hours in, <laughs> and I'm still not very far in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I just bumped the mic with my phone. Apologies, listen. Uh, I just bumped my phone on like four things. Sorry, Sorry for getting in your ear and, yeah. <laughs> and making weird bassy sounds. Sorry. Anyways, so this happens rather early on in the game. Do you care about spoilers for this game? No, I'm not. I just play think it. you would get a kick out of this. Cause... As cool as it seems, the thought of playing a Star Wars game where you have to slash enemies multiple times with the lightsaber just bugs the crap out of I me. I really have not had much combat in this game. Oh, interesting. but I also chose the story mode because I'm not uh, a big. I'm not big on combat on keyboards. Yeah. Stressful. Anyways. Well, I also okay. don't really like 3D platforming that much either. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Take a look at that view. Oh, I love this. I've seen this. This is oh. great. very good very fun i I like it a lot i just i was like oh this model this monologue okay i'll kill him and then cal dilemma solved and i was like wow um the npcs have a lot more character sure um of course with the addition of battle droids floating around they're hysterical there is one where they'll throw grenades at you and there is Mm. a little scripted event where he bungles it (laughs) And so he ends up like tossing the grenade back and forth between his oh, hands, blows himself up. It's like, oh, so that's really all I got. Um, good stuff. So um, quickly, any we, we can do a quick recap of the Transformers episode that we watched today. Uh, <laughs> I made Cameron watch uh, War Dawn today. Yeah. Um, this is from season three, I presume. This is after. There's a third season. <laughs> What? There's a third season? Oh, is it season two? I don't know. They're all it's like it's all one show to me. The IMDB page does not specify which episode and season it is. Let's take a look. This is from nineteen eighty five, Transformers War Dawn, season two, episode forty (laughs) four. Um so I'd take imagine this is not too long after the previous episodes that we watched. And we get a time travel episode Mm -hmm. with Optimus Prime lore. 
So pretty much in this the, is our four for four episode with not a single appearance of Bumblebee. <laughs> yes, he doesn't exist. So two ep- so two podcast episodes ago, we talked about the two parter in Transformers about the creation of the Stunticons and the Aerial Bots. Yeah, and in this, the Aerial Bots uh, go very radical neutral and think. What's the difference between the Decepticons and the Autobots? The Decepticons are cool and they're real good at what they do. So they go to try to join them and Megatron sends them back in time. And his effort is to send them back in time to, before the universe was created. Or the, he says, galaxy. Of time, yeah, whatever. Uh, so they can just exist in nothingness. And the Autobots destroy the time machine before that can happen. So they land 8 million years in the past. 9 million? Was it nine million? Yeah. Oh, you know, that Sorry. is a big difference. That is a big One difference. One million years, but as far as the distance from now into the past, uh, but yeah, that lands them. Uh, they're on Cybertron, so they go nine million years in the past on Cybertron during the Golden Age. Right, like pretty much right as the war is starting, and uh, Cybertron has a blue sky and it has water, and everyone's just kind of hanging out for the most part. I forgot that they had water. I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of like, I don't remember that. Um, so, so <laughs> you had a lot of good, really funny comments during this episode, <laughs> but these are always crazy. So my thought was for a species experiencing an energy crisis, like a world ending energy crisis, uh, they take a lot of weekend trips to Cybertron. <laughs> oh, in the, in the la- current it's, timeline. It's their lake house. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh. <laughs> their weekend Airbnb or whatever. I don't know. I feel like a lot of early episodes made a big deal. The fact that they were trapped on earth. And by you get to the, this point in later season two, they're just every episode going back and it's forth like it's forth. nothing. How can they afford to feed Omega Supreme? <laughs> <laughs> How do they feed him? Um, oh my gosh, there's a really good comment that Optimus says at the very beginning because they get to Cybertron and Omega Supreme's like, I'm tired. And this is going to be so. Such Omega Supreme is the really big ex- spaceship. Big spaceship. Who has. Who's transforming animation in this episode is one of the laziest pieces of animation we have seen <laughs> there are really missing bad. frames it's super low detailed he like ejects his hands they just go off screen they just keep going and then him turning back into his robot form is just the reverse it's so bad um i'm i'm tucking this away so we can use it during bad batch season three <laughs> because optima just says shut yourself down omega and i'm like we got it we, we have to bring that back why don't you shut yourself down <laughs> it's really good it's so funny um so we have a little bit you know so it's time travel so you know we're almost having a little bit of a world between worlds kind of thing going on mm-hmm. closed loop and all of that but so um I'm so sorry. I just wrote down things you said. <laughs> They're really I'm glad funny. you enjoy my comments. So when the aerial bots time travel back in time, they meet young Optimus Prime, who's actually Orion Pax Yo, at this They point. meet a man named Orion, Orion Pax. Pax. Okay, spoiler, sorry. And it's not until later in the episode that you learn this is actually very young Optimus Origins. Prime. Or is he? Look, it's eight, nine million years in the past. Who knows how old he is? If he's... 20 million years old then he's middle-aged i don't know i'm trying to remember how he's definitely millions mm-hmm. they're all old they're really <laughs> really old and megatron is the same the person same. actually creepier he's gotten less evil over time somehow um at least in his personal interpersonal reaction uh, interactions and um this what i said 
as I realized that everything was just the same, like very little has changed in the last nine million years of this conflict, it's all futile. It's so futile, this war. They're just like, someone kill Megatron. Just do it. Seriously. How have you failed for nine? This really makes Autobot seem very incompetent. Like, I know there's this whole, like, all life is worthwhile. But, like, nine million years? Just kill the man. Blow his head off. Send him back in time. Do whatever it takes. Gosh. Now, I don't know much about Transformers, but in the movies, they do keep killing him, and he keeps coming back. So it's not necessarily their fault. If you think you feel better, that happens in other continuities, too. Uh, Every time they think you kill him, he's he's like, oops, just kidding. They need to learn true disintegration. Double tap. Just just like. Double tap. Separate his atoms through the entirety of space. But Cameron, if they killed the Decepticons, they're no better than them. I don't think that's true. <laughs> when their entire planet is just wrecked, I think it's objective that this man needs to just be gone. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know if I can get through the rest of my notes. I'm laughing too hard. Um, so, yeah, lots of interest. So, yeah, Megatron shows up and absolutely destroys Orion Pax, like uh, kills him. And Ariel, um, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, you know she's a girl because she's pink. <laughs> she had a ponytail design. Did you notice <laughs> and that? And a butt shot. I hated that. <laughs> I hated I hate. I hate. I hate it. I hate it. Anyways, um, so some very good comments for me. This is very tweetable. Um, I had to write some of these in all caps. Because you asked, how old is Optimus Prime? Why is he millions of years old? That was just your delivery. Phenomenal. <laughs> Thank Cameron you. is losing it. Um, you also said this about the aerial bots. Why are they so dumb? <laughs> what, are the, I can't try, what did they do when I said that? I know they did something super dumb. <sighs> this was... They like... I think this is very frequently when they're like, oh... Well, that's that's Megatron. Back when they saw him back in time. Uh huh. Yeah, they were like, it was probably because it was probably whenever they were like, he's like the coolest guy there is. Like they they really thought he was he was fan or, behavior. It was that or the fact that they couldn't tell that it was Optimus Prime who they were talking to and not Megatron. Or it was Orion Pax, but the fact that they couldn't tell that it was Megatron in the same colors. There's only, there's only so many yeah. robots with blue and oh, red colors. No, no, this is what it was. One of them could not understand the concept that they were eight million years nine million years in the oh, past. Yeah. They kept one of them had to kept explaining it to the rest of like, you gotta remember, we're nine million years in the past. They, they said that like ten times. They just could not understand silver, how time travel works. Silver they all have to share the brain cell and silver bolt's the only one that ever uh-huh. has it. Yeah. Um <laughs> it also said Megatron quit luring children. <laughs> Just yeah. So, like, Optimus Prime, uh, Orion Pax, very young, fresh-faced man who is, like, not worried about the war. He's like, if the war happens, we, we've got the gigantic guardians to defend us. Nothing bad will happen. Nothing bad has ever happened on Cybertron. <laughs> also, quick aside, the fact that there's a legion of on this planet called Decepticons, and they just don't think anything of that. They don't read into that 
their name deception. includes deception but whatever he's like nothing bad ever happened on cybertron and then megatron nothing bad ever happened to the kennedys <laughs> <laughs> and megatron just walks out of the shadows like hello young man what do you use this facility for and he's like in awe and shadow and is like being like he's like amped up the, the creepy snake voice to 11 this is like this is this is the snake arriving in the garden of eden moment that's what this is <laughs> This is this is Palpatine patting young Anakin on the shoulder going, we'll watch your career with great interest. Obi-Wan should be like, don't touch him. He's nine years old. Stay away from him. There's this great clip I saw this week. Uh, Lucille Ball was hosting a, a like a talk show, and he, she had a man in the audience like asking people for questions. He kept like grabbing the women's shoulders. He's like, don't quit touching her. <laughs> Lucille Ball's like, quit touching her. Don't touch her. Every time he did it, that's that should have been Obi-Wan right that second. There would have been no Skywalker saga if Obi-Wan had seen how weird Palpatine was with young Anakin. My stomach hurts from laughing too much. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, creepy. So creepy, it's, creepy it's Megatron. So, and so Megatron just kills Orion Pax scenario. They, so this, this episode <laughs> is effectively what's going to be the plot of the animated movie that's coming out next year that we talked about last week. Oh gosh, I hope 1. they go with a different origin, please. <laughs> the other continuities. They cannot have Megatron behave like this. <laughs> if Megatron shows up and we're supposed to believe that they're friends and Megatron's like, hello, young man. And do you know what would be funny though? It would be funny if like, there's like an hour, like they, they take this exact episode and just stretch it out into an hour and 45 minutes. And for an hour of the film, Megatron is just super creepy. And Meg Megatron is just like, hey, you're pretty cool. You're a cool guy. If we guy. had time, I would go through some of the other continuities, backgrounds, and why they're so much better. Uh, but we don't have time for that. Anyways, <laughs> um, we, also, we also see... Ah, uh, I can't even talk. Apologies to anyone listening to this, trying to listen to Cameron, and I'm just like dying in the background. <laughs> um, we see a younger Alpha Trion, pre beard Alpha Trion, which is indicates that they have and beards. A, a weird. They give them all weird young people voices. Yeah, and him, it just. Cameron's, this is like the worst kind of prequel possible. Cameron's first reaction: Why does he sound like that? <laughs> He does, he looks the same. He just doesn't he sounds have the like a beard. Nerd. He's got like the mustache, but not the beard. And he, it's so bizarre. What makes a transformer sound young? It just, it doesn't make any sense. So um, some, so they bring uh only Orion Pax to Alpha Tri. They leave Ariel, which they just left her <laughs> to die, I guess. And they're uh. like. And Alphatron's like, oh, that sucks. Looks like he needs to be rebuilt. And the Aerobot's like, can't you fix him? And he's like, I mean, I could try. <laughs> and, and the Aerobot's like, please take a look at him. And it zooms in on Ryan Pax. You just go, oh, he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> just take a look at him. Oh, man, he's, he's woof. Yeah, he needs some help. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... They fix they fix Orion Pax and lo and behold, guess who he is? The only <laughs> other red and blue Autobot that exists. Yeah, <laughs> and he comes out just in full like he's now Optimus Prime. He sounds like the Optimus Prime. He has the same voice. He remains unchanged for the next million years. And then they're like, he goes through instant robot puberty. That's what happened here. <laughs> he got Neville Longbottomed. 
good. Um, but so, and then they're about to, oh, are like, oh my gosh, it's Optimus Prime. And they're like, oh, you know who we should also, do you know who you can also fix? <laughs> Ariel, who's been dead for three hours. <laughs> And they walk off and he's like, I shall name her Alita One. Like these, they, it's just like, this is, people make fun of the solo naming moment in the movie Solo. <laughs> that scene has nothing on how dumb these naming scenes are. Artists creating their original characters for their fandoms. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then we get to see a big, you know, um, the Aerobites help defeat Megatron in the past. Um, and then during that, they're finally brought back to the future. The time machine is fixed just in time for them to fight one of these guardian robots who have different proportions in each each frame they're in. in. Whack episode. (laughs) How varying in size these robots are. They're supposed to be the size of like skyscrapers. And in other scenes, they (laughs) are about 10 feet taller than the other transformers but they're really they're round so, wide. so it looks like real chunky <laughs> boys it's so, so funny they are large it's so good it's like that uh cat diagram um uh uh like that people like made like the fake cat diagram mm-hmm. and it's, it's like the last one very yeah. large chunk chunk uh and See, we, we made fun of recently, like, the difference. Who's the little guy who was stealing the cars in the two Rumble. Episodes? Rumble. We made fun of him, of the animation on him changing size from vaguely human size to about 10 feet tall. And obviously, that's a big difference. In, like, if you're animating, you've made some mistakes. If a guy can both sit on top of a I've car. I've never made a mistake. And also drive a car. But this is... That's nothing compared to... <laughs> this is hundreds of feet different between frames. <laughs> it's good so the aerobots come back and they save the day and they're like oh my gosh the decepticons were bad the entire time <laughs> and so oh, it's really funny because uh <laughs> it, it's really funny because the aerobots come back and they're like and guess who we saw nine million years ago you optimus prime and it's like at that moment that <laughs> optimus is like it was you that <laughs> saved me and it's kind of like wow and they just doxed him in front of everyone else <laughs> used his full original government uh-huh. name oh should we call you orion did you forget i did i wanted orion to call him orion's Pax. belt so <laughs> no oh. so that's where it ends because everyone's like what the heck is he talking about not because like there's a long story <laughs> um and then it it started nine million years and ago. then and then it ends uh-huh. you're telling me a single one of them knows that fake friends yeah, this the lore thickens. It a thick, <laughs> no. it thick. Yeah, but anyways, any other notes before we go on to today's no, actual let's topic talk, let's after forty five minutes? Let's talk about visions. Okay, Star Wars. Are you Transformers isn't one of our topics? <laughs> it's not the topic for today. Um, the topic for today, the topic for today, is the next three episodes of Star Wars Vision Volume Two. The first episode is called "I Am Your Mother," made by Ardman Studios. A stop motion or claymation studio, very famous. Uh, they're out of England. They made most incredibly famous for Wallace and Gromit. They also made Shaun the Sheep, Chicken Run, Flushed Away, which is not stop motion. It's CG animation Gromit. made to look like they're stop motion. Wake up, Gromit. They animated Arthur Christmas, which We've is just purely CGI. The <laughs> they went back to stop motion with the Pirates, which I love. They made a Shaun the Sheep. They made two Shaun the Sheep movies, a stop motion film called Early Man. 
and they've got a Chicken Run sequel coming out this year on Netflix. Yeah. What is the sequel to Chicken Run about? Probably about them raising their kids. Am I thinking that Chicken Run is about the right thing? Chicken Run is about the chicken to escape the chicken farm. Yeah, isn't it like an... Um... It's like, like the Great Escape. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then at the end, they have babies. Oh, I've never seen it. All I've known is oh. the World War II imagery. Yes, well, it So ends, I was like... It, it ends with them... It's not supposed to be like a... It's not supposed to be like a Holocaust camp. It's supposed to be more like a POW camp. Uh, that's what the, great, the Great Escape, okay. they're not Jews. They are all soldiers who are the best escape artists they put okay. they had the brilliant idea of putting all the, the same all the best escape artists into one camp anyways um they escape at the end spoilers for chicken run which came out in the year 2000 <laughs> uh 23 years ago um, wow, how old do you feel oh uh, there's so many other things that make me feel older than that <laughs> uh and anyways that's getting a sequel this year I, and so they made this stop motion film uh do you want to describe the story for us rachel yeah so we have our character annie um who is a young twilight i twilight twilight i don't know what planet they were on but it's um she is a uh, i'm guessing this is post empire this has got to be post empire yes um and so wedge is a celebrity yeah we see wedge and tilly's local celebrity who hosts a pilot school and so young annie is um a pilot in training and so from the start she we can her mom is very eccentric um a little wacky a little mm-hmm. fun and so she is very embarrassed of her mom we get that from the get-go her mom's like an inventor um and so uh the big conflict of the story is that there's a family race day which annie has not told her mom about because she's embarrassed mm-hmm. um so we start off which um so they i don't know where if you took notes or if you just want me to go through it um Uh, yeah i don't have a ton of notes so just just you keep going all throughout comments as we go along so we uh see annie and her friends and then we're introduced to annie's bully julian well the first thing the very first thing we see is a commercial with wedge oh yeah wedge being one of he's a rebel pilot who appears in all three of the original films Mm -hmm. he's one of the x-wing pilots and Rebels. And he's in Rebels, yes. Uh, Rebels really made me like and him. I don't know. He was very, very endearing. He is famously, the actor is uh, Ian McGregor's uncle. Ian McGregor, yes. who played prequel Obi-Wan. Um, and he also briefly appears in episode nine. And uh, that actor reprised the voice of Wedge in this episode. Nice. So, yeah, we see him and he's like talking about the pilot school, the flight school, and then the family race. Um, so, Annie is rushing to get to school. Her mom is like, I made you lunch for your, for you know, you're going to be a great pilot. Um, and we see a very endearing little, like, hollow recording of when Annie was young. And she calls her mom Red Leader. And they're, like, uh-huh. fake pilot plane. And she's called Red, too. It's very adorable. So, Annie hurries off to school, forgets her lunch. Um, and there's lots of fun little Easter eggs and references. There's, yes. She's got a toy Max Rebo. Mm-hmm. Her mom is doing some welding in her helmet. Looks like a Mandalorian looks, looks helmet. Looks like the Mandalorian helmet. Yeah. There's all just like little details scattered around this whole episode, especially this first scene and the next scene that are just fun references. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gets to school and her friend, her friends are like, Annie, are you going to take place in the race? And Annie's like, no, I'm not 
going to do it. My mom's busy. And they're like, what is she so busy about that? She's missing race day. And Annie's like, ah, you know, she's working. So then we are, we're introduced to Annie's bully or antagonist, Julian and her mom. And Julian and her mom have that space balls hair. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it, but their hair looks like the Spaceballs helmet. <laughs> um, so um, Julian is like, oh, you, I don't know. There's some weird elitism bullying going uh-huh. on of Julian going, well, you guys are from trash and <laughs> you are you fly the flying porta potty, which is also like their home. Uh-huh. Um, What's kind of funny about this is there's actual porta potties right behind her as she says this. I didn't and, notice that. <laughs> yeah, well, I noticed it because uh, someone made a joke online. As soon as this episode dropped, someone made a Wikipedia entry for the porta potty. I think was, you mean the refresher. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like before The Mandalorian season one, there was very few references, if any, uh, at least not in the movies, to bathrooms in Star there Wars. There is a full functioning toilet and bathroom in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I heard about you this. You can't yes. use it. <laughs> then how do you know it's functioning? Because it flushes. Oh. <laughs> so this is, this. is these porta-potties are some one of the very few, at least movie slash television references to bathrooms Canonical in Star Wars. bathrooms. <laughs> um, so... Um, so yeah, Julie and her mom, they've won previously. Um, very seemingly well to do. Their ship is very Sith looking. <laughs> um, I which is kind of funny. Um, and so uh suddenly someone looks up to because something is flo- or all the racers get together at the at the starting line. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly something falls from the sky <laughs> on top of the robot. And lo and behold, it was genuinely the last thing I was expecting. It was a bra. <laughs> uh-huh. Which goes counter to the creative Star Wars, what he's infamously said to actress... Uh, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher on the production of the original movie, which was what? There's Rachel? no underwear in space. <laughs> so, immersion broken. <laughs> Disney has ruined Star Wars. Anyways, I'm kidding. And so... Um, Annie's mom comes flying down in their ship and laundry is flying everywhere and she, her mom hops out and she's like Annie you forgot your lunch so Annie is mortified um, gets in the ship and is like mom you need to go and her mom's like hey what's going on and you hear the announcer it's family race day and her mom is like you did not tell me about this and so there's kind of like this contention of where Annie's like, Mom, you just need to go. Just move the ship. We need to move. Get out of the way. Mm-hmm. So Annie's mom's like, okay. And instead of actually moving the ship off the tarmac, Annie's mom joins the race and guns it. And they're the both start. they're both in the ship. Yes, they are both in this in this ship. Um because they're it's family race day because each ship has a family in it. Yes, you've yes, got a I ship should. with a family of Wookiees in it. There's who struggle. Um, you've got another species I don't really recognize. Four or five, have, I think. Four or five. Oh, there was four. Yeah, there was four ships before. This is the fifth. Yeah, yes. this is the fifth one. Um, so they start. Yeah, they start the race. Everyone's racing with their parents. Um, and so, as we can see from the start, her the antagonist Julia and her mom are already there, like ready to do whatever it takes to win this game or this race. They have weapons on their ship, and their gun is a tiny little Death Star mm-hmm. that shoots lasers. Um, so. We go through the race, and there's a moment where um, Annie's mom, who I don't know if she was named, Annie's mom's like, well, 
why don't you tell me about the race? And Annie finally is like, you're embarrassing. Her you- name is, um, I had it. Where is it? Nope. Oh, yeah, Kalina. Kalina. So Kalina, Annie's Bob, is like, what? what is your problem? And Annie's like, you're embarrassing me. You embarrass me. I, and there's kind of like, and, and I really liked the mom in this episode. Yes, she's lovely. She was a very sweet character because her mom I don't know. Instead of like getting mad, she goes, "I didn't know you felt like this." Aww. Very genuine reactions from a very genuine supporting mom. So, um, and he's like, "You're you embarrass me, and I just didn't want to race because we can't win because our ship's not very good." And Annie's and Annie's mom takes this as a personal challenge, and so tells Annie take the reins. She's gonna go find their droid Z1, which is aggressively British, uh, <laughs> um, yep. who's been clinging on the outside of the ship since they took off. Fun running joke where he's visible in all the scenes uh-huh. clinging. Um, so they bring him in so that he can help navigate, I believe, or um, provide some aid. And so they race. Ultimately, it ends up being Annie and uh, her mom and Julian and her mom neck and neck, and. Um, seeing things kind of you know things pick up seems like julian's gonna just shoot him out of the sky and annie pulls what did they call it a ryloth ryloth roll yes where she basically just does a loop-de-loop and kind of knocks him out of the sky they end up winning um very uh very sweet story um that's really kind of where it ends where they win and their relationship is stronger they did Wedge's hair so dirty in this. <laughs> it drove me nuts. Yeah, I thought... Gave um, him the Wallace treatment. Yeah, it doesn't really look like Wedge. But anyway, it's still fun that he's there. Um, he's playing kind of a, like... I try to... This is a very common archetype. It, he's not quite washed up, but he's, he's kind of a sellout, I guess. He's selling merchandise yeah, they and stuff. They got to make money, too. Uh-huh. He's like a he's like a partial celebrity, yeah. And he is trying to sell merchandise off of it and and cash in on his his, his very low level celebrity, but um not in not to me. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think this episode's fun as in uh, comparison to the previous episode, which is also about a young woman having a tough time with an older mother character. And that last episode is her older sister, mm, yeah. But also, this episode is also opposite energy from the previous one because it is so much lighter yeah and post-war and uh very light and happy and the mother's alive and though no father very no. interesting enough uh, i wonder maybe he died in the war yeah very possibly maybe use wedge i don't know uh-huh. um if we hadn't seen male twi'leks in so okay so is so- fortuna a male for yeah i just saw a comment about this saying how canonically twi'leks are some of the most beautiful considered Mm -hmm. some of the most beautiful um beings of the star wars universe actually to the point where they are captured and sold Mm -hmm. and so made a comment so this is like that's like the stereotype and then bib fortuna yeah uh-huh because you also have the male because all of the like servers in the bar in book of boba fett were twi'leks and you had male and female and they mm-hmm. looked pretty similar but then yeah the fortuna Hera's dad is ugly <laughs> yeah he's a scary looking man <laughs> that was one comment i wanted to make these two were very british uh-huh. whereas true canonically 
But there is some French. Ryloth is French. The, the third episode we'll talk about today also plays into that. Um, but yeah, so overall, very lighthearted, fun care, uh, episode. Probably my least favorite thus far because it isn't, wasn't as strong narratively, but the Ardman stop motion style is a lot of fun. And oh, also they slipped in the robot that's on the moon from the very first uh, Rawls and Gromit script is somewhere, not script, short, is in the background in this, Mm -hmm. which I also quite enjoyed. So next episode, Journey to the Dark Head, um, which was created by Studio Mair, M-I-R. They're a South Korean studio. They are famous for The Legend of Korra. That checks out. I was like, this feels like Um, Avatar Last Airbender. The Boondocks. What? Yeah. I was not expecting that. Uh, the Young Justice cartoons, um, a Dota cartoon, the Harley Quinn cartoon. Um, they've got quite the um, the range. They've done some multiple uh, DC animated movies as well. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. They've done some other video game based shorts. Um, yeah, so they've got they've got a really nice. Uh, range of they they they're very used to working on um licensed uh franchise works whether it's movies or shows or animated shorts this one is very much in an anime style Mm -hmm. um and not only is it anime style but the way the characters are written performed the way they move it's all very classic Mm -hmm. anime anime in my visions episode (laughs) it uh it starts off with um, a young girl um, with Ara. a bunch of other people. Thank you, Ara. Um, and they are. She's with this group of people, and they're they're in this like uh, open s- space, and they're picking up rocks. And she's being instructed by this older man to look into it and, and see what a vision is. And she's trying to tell whether it's a vision of the past or a vision of the future. And she can't quite tell. And the man is chastising her for not being able to hold on to the vision. And she looks up and is like something about these big like uh statues or something i can't remember exactly what she said but it it, i don't think you're not meant to understand it in the Mm -hmm. moment but we come to understand later is there's in this world there's two giant statues one representing the dark side and one representing the light side and then she's like if we destroy the dark side one (laughs) probably stop the battle between the dark side and the light side cut to presumably like 15 years later she's an adult she comes before a Jedi Council that's like on a spaceship. I presumably not the Jedi Council. Um, it's kind of hard to pin down the exact timeline of this. One would presume this is in the Old Republic during the Jedi Sith War. Um, and she tells them, I know you probably won't believe me, but I come from this planet and the Outer Rim. We've got these statues. I think if we destroyed the Dark Side One, it would turn the tide of this war. And the woman who is uh, leading the Jedi Council is like, I think we should give her a chance and send this one guy with him. Toll? Yes. Thank you for the character names. Um, yes, Toll. It cuts to Toll meditating. Toll, Th- sorry. Go for it. Toll is such a main character design. Such an yes. anime main character design with the white head of hair. And let's see. Are these people famous? Um, so Ara in the English version, is played by Ashley Park. Ashley Park is in shows such as Beef, Emily in Paris, Only Murders, Beef. Left in the Building. A lot of television, which I know a lot less than about in movies. And We don't watch television. <laughs> a lot less. <laughs> and then Toll is played by Eugene Lee Young, 
who has been in very few things. Oh, wait, that's producing. Acting, he's been in, uh, yeah, not very much. Brooklyn Nine-Nine for one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has a flashback. And um, in this flashback, he's with a bunch of other Jedi who get murdered by Sith Lord. And the Sith Lord leads, leaves uh, Tool alive because he can sense the dark side of him. And the, the Sith Lord is pretty much, you know, eventually this war is going to end and you're going to need a new master. So find me when... And then Toll, like, he's having this flashback and the force is, like, vibrating in the room. And he comes to and this other Jedi he was meditating with is like, that guy is... You, you can't trust him. He's, you can't trust him. He's a Sith. And Toll is assigned to go on this mission with... Uh, with Ara, and they're on the ship and they're arguing. Ara's like, I don't need you. I've got all this. And Toll's like, I don't want to do this. Why do they need a Jedi? This is not going to work. They get to the planet. Real quick, I just want to know how Ara keeps almost three feet of long hair all tucked up in that cap she's got. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That would be so sweaty. So, in that reminds me, though, in one of the best moments in the episode uh Cole is walking into the hangar to meet Ara. She takes off her helmet, her hair flows down. She turns around and the frame is just this empty space with Toll's head barely at the bottom and then then she looks down at him. Pretty good. Pretty this good comedic good. moment. Did you you know that you know when you put um horizons uh in the middle of the screen, they're boring. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, very <laughs> the very nice uh Fableman's reference there. Um, and so then they uh, are headed up the mountain to try to get to... They have got bombs. They're going to go and try to blow up the uh, dark side. Uh, I almost said poster for some reason. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, no, they're, they're trying to get to the top of the, of the mountain to go up to the statue. And the same Sith Lord appears out of nowhere. Bishan. And that, I think that's... Yes. Who seemingly is played by a pretty notable actor, Daniel Day Kim. He is in Lost, of all things. Oh, not <laughs> um, a nickel for each time we reference Lost. He was in episode. the Divergent series. Oh, that's probably why I recognize him. Um, just on a television. Um, Daniel Day Kim. He sound. I mean, Daniel Day Lewis is a famous actor, but uh, Daniel Day Kim. He's in the Hawaii Five O show, the the newer one. Danny, <laughs> like Transformer stuff. Let's take a look. The question. Oh, he was in Legend of Korra. There uh, you go. That's uh, Transformers. No. Dang. But anyways, um, I definitely recognize his face. Um, he was also in the last version of Hellboy. If that means anything. Oh, he's also in Spider-Man Two. Oh, the movie. Um, so... Which one? There are three Spider-Man The two. one that's called Spider-Man 2. <laughs> um, they have a really epic lightsaber fight on top of the speeder. Oh, no, no. Before that. Sorry, I skipped it. They were taking a ship mm-hmm. to the mountain, and the Sith Lord comes in his ship and shoots them down. Mm-hmm. They jump on their speeder bike. He jumps on their speeder bike. They're going up the mountain. They have a fight. She, like, in a very, another very anime moment, she's like, I just need one last push. And she, like puts an overdrive and like the the jets on the speeder like go into like a new mode they like open up and get bigger sorry no, I'm, this is too intense I'm, I'm for some reason <laughs> you're channeling your inner anime i am like <laughs> describing the the uh blaster the the speeder bikes uh engines with my hands which is not very helpful <laughs> um and they like zoom off the fingers 
of the of the statue and Toll force pushes Ara across the gap and he himself jumps across the gap and then the Sith Lord chases them. There was a funny comment because they, they get to that pathway and the Sith Lord says, so this is your stage and follows them. And my first thought was like, you just insert, someone should make an edit where you insert like the Smash Bros theme, <laughs> the Smash Bros brawl theme. <laughs> Very good. Anyways. Choose your stage. Choose your um, fighter. They continue to fight while uh, Ara puts the the uh, the uh, the bombs into place, and he takes off his mask, and we realize it's actually just Jared Leto. <laughs> How did you arrive at that conclusion? The Sith Lord looked a little bit like Jared huh, Leto. I think it was the greasiness. He has a very typical anime villain mouth, where like the edge of the mouth goes a little too far past where the lips meet yeah and like his upper lip is like coming over his his lower lip on the edges and he's got a really great design though his mask has like this piece of cloth that comes straight down and like whips around it's pretty neat um they're having very typical jedi sith dialogue where they're fighting they you know, use your hate join me use we can rule hate. the galaxy no you're lying all this usual garbage Do we um, get some interesting music oh the yeah once the second stage of the fight it starts off it i don't even know how, how would you describe it I think i'll it's try an, to bring it up i think it's an er, i think if i had to guess i don't know if it's an the only thing i can think of is an air who air who e-r-h-u it's a string instrument um i think it's Japanese? I don't know. Forgive Gosh, me if that's The animation incorrect. on this episode is so good. Um, oh, it's beautiful. Okay, I'm trying to find the moment. It it really made me think of music from Avatar Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. Well, that makes sense. There it is. Alright, here it is. How pointless. That's not an who. So um, at this point, so there's a big ring connecting the, the, two. the heads of both statues. And seemingly, the, I feel the implication is these two, uh, the Jedi and the Sith fighting on them has like infused it with, with force energy. And you're seeing blue and red energy go through both statues. Mm -hmm. So and initially when we first got there, it was only on each side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. And she says something. Do you remember what she says? Something about like there's force in both of them or something. She says something to imply. It's very similar to the line of dialogue, I feel, that is said by the artist in the first episode of Visions 2. Yeah. Of like, it balance. Yeah. There has to I be both. I what she says. Um, and so instead she decides. Oh, she realizes. So she looks over and she sees that uh, the Sith Lord is about to drop Tool. Is that really his name? Toll? Toll, not tool. <laughs> He's got a tool. But uh, is about to like drop him. Oh, I forgot to mention the Sith Lord has this like sick like whip thing. That's kind of yeah. like, like it makes like snake noises. So it's like it's kind of sentient, but it's like this like sharp like whip with barbs on it. And he's got that wrapped around Toll's neck and is hanging him over the edge. Mm -hmm. And uh Ara realizes this is what she saw in her the vision mm -hmm. that we saw at the beginning, um, and she decides to launch the bombs 
at the Sith Lord, and that distracts him enough for Tool to slice his head off. <laughs> it's like, I like this episode a lot. I think the episode is jumbled a little bit narratively. I think action, visuals, lore, mm-hmm. I love it all. I even like the characters a lot. But narratively, there's two things that kind of are a little confusing to me. One, the significance of her having the vision which I'm not realizing is kind of significant in that she can realize this was like her destiny to mm-hmm. be in this moment, but also like it, it doesn't feel quite like, I think I would have preferred it. Like it would have been a little tighter narratively. If like somehow she had realized something from that vision, like there would be some information that was like, maybe or something she, she had could've... the rock with her. She could have changed the outcome. Like, yeah, it just doesn't feel like, the the same the same thing would have happened regardless if she had had the stone or not like the stone didn't provide any new information to her and that might be just me liking narrative to have stronger purpose it it maybe motivated her as a character again these are shorts they're quick you don't have a lot of time it has felt like it was a really pivotal moment in the story that didn't really feel like it landed the other thing i think is jumbled is the the hero re, uh accomplished the mission by slicing the sith lord's head not Which, very like, Jedi of him. Not, again, not necessarily wrong. This guy is evil and trying to kill them. But like, there, there needs to be balance in the Force. Also, toll. <laughs> it's, it's very unclear in Star Wars whether balance the Force means death. Uh, whether there should be both Sith and Jedi, or the Jedi should keep killing the Sith. <laughs> um, and there's a there's a speech later on, um, and we'll get to in a second uh, that maybe answers this a little bit. But anyways, continue on. I was going to say, it kind of hit me. The the falling sequence was very impressive. To do a rotating camera situation with the characters moving in the space at a high speed was very nice. So you're talking about after... So Toll slices off the Sith Lord's head. And he falls. And he falls. And Ara jumps after him, Mm -hmm. grabs him, ignites a parachute. Yeah, it's all very stunning and visual. And I'm talking about, like, there are some really nice, clever little writing tricks in here. She, she jumps after him and I feel like in the moment you're not really sure how she's gonna how they're gonna survive she makes a parachute earlier in the episode when they landed on the planet they were buying stuff and the guy's listing off the things that she bought mm-hmm. and he, he mentions the parachute so they had already established she had the parachute she's I really like that and then they land and they're like hey we make a pretty good team and actually she, so the episode starts off with Tull being very uh, angsty and very like, why are we doing this? And Ara's like, I can do this by myself. But he, she thinks this is a really necessary mission. In the end, they kind of flip and Ara's like, this was worthless. I'm sorry I dragged you out here. There was no purpose in this. And Tull's like, no, this was important. I learned a lesson of that there's there's always going to be good and evil and we there's and the future is not set and uh, that means there's hope. But again, that contradicts Mm-hmm her having the vision it, it I, I think it's a really good episode whether the writing is like a b minus yeah i will say with daniel day kim voicing toll gives me the same feeling as when we so no daniel day kim voices uh bishan the, oh the i thought i said he voiced toll my sorry yeah, my I bad said, i probably said the wrong thing whoever voices toll it gives me the, like feels very similar as to when Freddie Prince Jr. voiced young Kanan in Bad Batch. Uh-huh. I felt like the voices did not necessarily match. Sure. Um, it, but that's just that's just a nitpick. Um, if not Paul a huge problem. is supposed to be young, his voice does not quite match. 
I'm going to bring it around right at the end of the episode. I'm going to bring it back around. Uh, the, so the man who voices the shopkeeper, his name is Greg Chun. He voices Ike in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Are you kidding me? <laughs> bring it back around. Uh, anyways. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and our final episode. The Spy Dancer. Oh, the Spy Dancer. Which to me, might kind of sounds like a joke on Skywalker. Oh, I didn't think spy about that. dancer. Anyways, I don't know if that's unintentional or not. Or it's literal. Uh, yeah, oh, um, it, it is. Um, in one, this episode, sorry, go ahead. One thing you had asked was, this was made by La Cachette. If they worked on Primal, they did. Yes. And they also worked on um, the very famous collection of animated shorts on Netflix called Love, Death, and Robots. Oh. And I, I've i seen this logo before, Moon, Guardian of the Moon. Do you recognize this? Is I do. A, I don't. Is that a video game as well? I don't know. I've heard. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't um, know. But if you go to their website, they, all the stuff they look on, work on looks really cool. <laughs> Continues to slide. Yeah. Laptop. Um, I really love. They work in a lot in two D animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't do the same style every time, which I really respect. Which is why I didn't really recognize them when you said mm-hmm. th- they work on Primal, and I was like, mm, yes. there's so, not enough uh, gore and violence yeah. in this. Yeah, Primal is. Very, listener, very unlikely to be your cup of tea, but maybe it is. But nonetheless, watch the trailer. Um, it's from, we, I always Genity bungle his name, Tarsky. Jindy Tartoski, who um, is most famous for working on Samurai Jack and other early Cartoon Network shows. And the 2004 Clone Wars. And 2004 Clone Wars, connection to Star Wars. We talked about it, episode one of this podcast. Personally, Primal episode, Primal season one mm. is better than season two. Season two has the wackest ending I've, I never oh, would have guessed. It is whack, and I won't bring it up, but it's, <laughs> I was like... Oh, that's an, okay. Anyways, and so are they a French studio? I, I would presume. I'm guessing. Studio La Cachette. Um, they're really talented. They work in 2D animation. Very beautiful. Uh, this episode, you wanted to give us a description, Rachel? Yeah. So I'll summarize it and then I'll go through my notes. So basically, this focuses on kind of an unnamed planet, but a planet of somewhere under imperial occupation. Yeah, we- it gave me somewhat similar vibes to the planet that they visit in uh like the second act of star wars rise of skywalker oh um, uh, where they go to meet um the anzellan uh babu frick babu frick oh yeah, yeah. i can't remember what, which pla- i know which one yeah, it's, yeah. it's very like european village yeah. is what it's it, it feels very french so <laughs> ba- where this uh episode focuses on is an entertainment complex um that the imperials frequent mm. um we start off with seeing some stormtroopers hop into a vehicle to go to this uh building and first of all we see an absolute unit of a stormtrooper uh oh yes <laughs> yeah, have, yeah he's he's a big boy he's it, built we have some uh some, some body positivity some, stormtroopers going on in this was, episode was, it was just i think because it just stuck out to me because we first see kind of like I guess what would be your standard stormtrooper, and then the vehicle moves, and you see this unit, this broad man. Um, so um, they hop in the vehicle. They're like, "Let's go, let's get out of here," and they show up to this uh, like and like it's almost like like a fine dining, like dinner and a show kind of thing. And we meet uh, I. I don't know how to pronounce French words because they have 20 letters and only say two of them. Um, <laughs> so we meet Hades, Hades, the kind of like waitress. Um, she's a young girl. 
um, she shows all the stormtroopers she's putting on a front where she's like, oh my gosh, we love having you guys here. We love our patrons. And Real fast. Um, I looked, so the, the person who directed this episode, Julian Shang. Julian. C-H-H-E-N-G. Shahang. So Sorry, my observation was right that French words have 20 letters and use uh-huh. two of them. It could be, it could also not necessarily be French, that last name. Well, true. Anyways, um, has worked on a lot of the same movies we just listed. With this being a French studio, I wonder if they have any connection to this film. She's an aunt, or he, or Julian, Julian, could be male or female, I'm not sure. Um, worked on one of my favorite animated films of all time, Ernest and Celestine. And that, that style definitely rings true through this. Yes, so I must be really happy that. More so than Primal. Yes. More <laughs> yeah. so than Primal. Uh, anyway, so continue on. So, um, <laughs> I have some comments. Uh, oh no, the French. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, uh, so, you know, we kind of see some establishing shots of this like entertainment place. There's a lot of seats, lots of stormtroopers, lots of Imperials all waiting for this show to start. Um, I would personally like screenshots of all the non-detailed background stormtroopers <laughs> that are just blobs. There were some good ones. Um, and so, we have a young woman who's pretty much the host, and she's being really Cletus. nice to stormtroopers, and she's like, she's pretty much our main character, kind of. She's like our yeah. surrogate character for the episode. Our introductory, yeah. And so she gets these stormtroopers settled, and then she goes kind of backstage to where we see, I would almost say like our main character, uh, Louis. Mm-hmm if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And she's an older woman. Yeah, they call her Louie, but it's Louis. spelled... Well, how is it spelled? O L O I apostrophe E is what I have. <laughs> uh, I love that. It's pronounced like a very common name in our world, but it's spelled very much like a Star Wars character's in name. In the world of France, too. <laughs> uh-huh. And so um, they're talking about, you know, hey, we need, you know, people are waiting. Let's get the show. And then Louie... Um, Picks up a communicator. She's like at her makeup table doing makeup. She picks up a communicator and calls this calls uh, a man named John, <laughs> who is played by uh, his name. Sorry, I had it here. Just give me just a second. I gotta find it again. Oh, I lost it. Um, here it is. Lambert Wilson, who is most famous, I think, in America at least for playing uh the merovingian in the matrix sequels who is the most french character you will see in anything oh, short of a mime so oh, shout man. out to uh lambert oh wow um yeah so and he's he's underground somewhere oh, he, he's also the voice of of ernest in the new ernest and celestine <laughs> continue um, so we see he is he's a mechanic of some sort he is working on stuff and he and louis are talking about how we're almost ready you know just do the final show and then we can all leave. So they're working on an escape from the empire. Um, so Louis like, okay, so they get ready for the show. They're prepping, um, before they start the show, they make an interest comment to say to the ones they've lost. And one thing that we kind of see Louis handling a lot is this, um, uh, this gem kind of thing this clasp almost mm-hmm. and she's got some attachment to it but we don't see why so anyways the show is it a communicator from the sith lord no it is not <laughs> communicated from the sith lord she's not doll um so 
she's the showstopper. The Imperials are chanting Louis, waiting for this show to start. And so she jumps down from the ceiling and starts the um, the show where she, it's all, they're almost like trapeze artists. And lo and behold, what do we have? Another nope similarity with her <laughs> costume. The the way the fabric of her costume spread out seemed very <laughs> similar to the alien from Nope. Um, jean jacket. Uh-huh. So it was just really interesting because we, we, we had a nickel for two seemingly Nope references in this vision. <laughs> We'd have two. Um, and so... Uh, She's dancing, everyone's enthralled. And so as she flies by the seat of honor, she recognizes an Imperial officer um, with a K2 droid. And it's like time stops for her and she has a flashback of her world on fire. Mm. And she is, like right now it's very opulent. Everything about this area is opulent. And when it goes, switches is flat, to this flashback it's not Uh um city is burning and she is cornered by this imperial officer in a k2 droid and she's holding her baby Mm. and the imperial officer yoinks the baby Uh and disappears as much as i like this episode the way i mean you just use the word yoink which is very accurate it's a little comical it's a very serious scene i like the way it's executed a lot he just grabs the baby out of her hands as like a like a bully taking candy away from a child. Like it is just like mine. He's like holding yeah. the baby with one hand way above his head. And so one thing that's important that this would be an important mouse tool for later. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of the people on, who are native to this planet have different colored eyes. They have a blue eye and a yellow eye. We see this with Louis mm. and Hetis and the other workers. Um, and they have like little, little teeny tiny horns on their forehead, little teeny tiny. It's very important. Um, so this, like she falls cause she's so in shock because uh, yeah. lots of time mm-hmm. has passed between this. Um, I initially thought Hetis was like her, ch- like her child, but obviously mm-hmm. that's not the case. Yeah. So she falls and Hetis like has to come rescue her. Um, they manage to play it off like it's part of the show. The Imperials are like, woo, yay. Mm-hmm. And Louis tells you, you have to go. And they're like, what do you mean? She goes, we're leaving. You guys are leaving now. Leave me behind. So they're a little unsure about what's supposed to happen. So they start to leave. They go downstairs, whatever, to where John is. And um, Louis goes Rambo mode. Well, not quite yet. Louis kind of starts up the show again, starts swinging around, and mm. then um, she swings around to the Imperial officer, and she has swords in her bracelets, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Assassin's Creed almost. Yeah, except for it's very Assassin's Creed, except for the blade is like... Four feet long? <laughs> it's very long. So she swings by. And stops in like his booth to kill him. Mm-hmm. But she realizes she stops just short because it's not the same Imperial that took her son, that took her child. Mm-hmm. And so she's like shocked. And this Imperial is like, I, why you tried to kill me, rebel scum? Rebel scum. <laughs> and so he goes, we should have, he throws her down. Mm-hmm. 
that's like a 30 feet drop and all the other imperials are like oh this isn't good and so he goes we should have shut this down long ago and this scene was actually kind of comical to me he goes we should have shut this place down long enough and all the stormtroopers go oh oh and they put all their helmets (laughs) back on they grab all their blasters and they they get ready to fire and Uh so battle starts and she just starts destroying these stormtroopers (laughs) um just destroying him destroying these stormtroopers and there's a moment where it seems like she's about to be overwhelmed and hetis comes back and rescues her mm-hmm. at this point most of the stormtroopers have been decimated mm-hmm. and so hetis takes on the k2 droid and um, well no actually what happens the only reason i'm correcting I'm you is because i have it paused on one of my favorite seconds in this episode she is trying to shoot the sith uh the uh, pure officer because mm-hmm. they're oh fighting. yes and uh louis in this moment the imperial k2 droid shoots at her and their like droid assistant is trying to stop oh, him yeah and can't even budge the k2 droid's arm which yeah. is just a hysterical moment he's to me. trying yes i love droids mm-hmm. and this is a very very funny moment anyways continue on um so our characters kind of get split up hetis the younger girl starts fighting the k2 droid um, and so I don't remember how they get up there, but Louis and the Imperial officer end up on the roof. Yes. But Louis is not fighting him. Also, did, I'm sorry, did you mention also that he has an eye patch? Oh, no, I didn't. He That's has an eye patch. relevant to what you said earlier about the, the characters in this world having uh, two different colored eyes. So he has an eye patch. Um, and so she, Louis will not fight him. And he's like, what? You tried to kill me. What are you doing? And she... Um, she goes, why? And so he has this cane as well. And why? Sh- and which is the same cane of the Imperial officer. Like he, he almost looks spitting image of this Imperial officer. Um, cane, hat, eye patch. Um, actually not the eye patch, my bad. And so she's like, why do you have that staff? And he goes, my father gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And she this makes her so mad but she doesn't fight him she disarms him she breaks the staff mm-hmm. and she hugs him and she goes oh, i can't remember how she said it but she goes he's not your father what have they done to you what have they told you mm-hmm. and so he's like what are you he's like you're you're crazy Mm-hmm. push her away and then and she tries to take it i'm watching it right now she tries to take his hat off mm-hmm. and he won't let her mm-hmm. and so sorry <laughs> i don't know if you heard this if you guys can pick up the sign <laughs> um but so she's be, being like vague like who are you and he's like what i don't you know and it's finally revealed you know in another flashback um we're, I think we're seeing some more flashbacks between when her child was taken. No, not this no, point. No, not at this point. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm got it up right now. I would not remember this well if I didn't have it. He, she runs off. So what happens now is they're talking and then AT-ATs oh, yeah, start like walking AT-ATs. up. And I was like, I started laughing at this point because I was certain this AT-ATs were just going to open fire mm-hmm. right then and there and just wipe out mm-hmm. everyone. They and, don't. But and so, so she's being kind of intention, intentionally vague about it mm-hmm. and she finally hands him like a scarf 
thing. She hands him part of her dress mm-hmm. and then uh, the green. Oh, and then the medallion. Medallion that earlier. she was holding yeah. earlier. And she gives it to him and then she escapes. She escapes with her troop. Um, or, you know, her perform her other performers in Hedis, mm-hmm. they recognize the AT-ATs are going ham. They open fire on and their And just destroying uh, this building. Um, mm-hmm. The Imperial officer is rescued. The stormtroopers are like, let's go, sir. And he's like, and he's looking confused. So they escape. Um, yeah, he's very dazed. The stormtroopers have to, like, escort yeah. him onto their ship. And Louis looks dazed. Not dazed, but, like... They're Almost all shell shocked. They're all traumatized because yeah. their home has just been destroyed. They are now on the run. Yeah. And so the performers escape. And then the episode closes with we see this Imperial officer on um, a bridge of a Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at the cloth that he has and he looks at the medallion and he um, he opens it up and it plays a recording of Louis's baby mm-hmm. and at this point you're able to connect the dots that this imperial officer is her son yes. and we see he takes off his hat and you can see the dots on his forehead where his horns have been removed yes um and so kind of what the empire has done is physically altered him so that he mm-hmm. passes as a human yes that that was where i had thought that potentially uh obviously the assumption was he's a soldier he probably lost the eye in battle my assumption at this point is they removed his eye Mm -hmm. to make him look more human Mm -hmm. or at least just covered it up yeah but i thought he was going to remove the eye patch yeah and he didn't which to me implies that he just Mm -hmm. doesn't have an eye so he's like he's having his little existential crisis and so he his hand kind of drops down by his side with the medallion and we see something i forgot we forgot to bring this up on the other side of the medallion there's a little circular Ah, it's a tracking device tracker which was brought up earlier in the um earlier in the episode by john and louis on their little call and he's like i have these trackers that you can use and she goes are they even gonna work and he goes they're gonna work this time and she said as they were all flying away she said I have a f- way to find him and he has a way to find me. Mm-hmm. This is a really well-written episode. I love this. Is a really, I, really good I, episode. This one just went right up to my second favorite after In the Stars. I've started my rank. I've started my ranking <laughs> so we can talk about it next week. Yeah. So beautiful episode. Gorgeous. All the, um, you know, you have the whole performance is really beautiful, but then the mm-hmm. way she uses her performance skills to fight the stormtroopers is really amazing. And then the, you know, this is almost like this is we've the main character that we've seen turn from the empire to the rebels is Finn, and he makes that decision on his own. The second one in the big world of Star Wars is your husband. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, callous, yeah. and that's done over time. That's mostly done mostly out of logic. It's not really an emotional choice. They pretty much turn on him he's he, like uh and it is somewhat emotional because he realizes um that choose your words carefully uh he realizes that the empire does not care i can't remember the the uh the thought, the thought so what is his name the purple man Zeb. so Zeb. in um episode in season two episode 14 the honorable ones <laughs> callus and zeb end up accidentally marooned on a yes. 
moon of Geonosis. And so they have this kind of, I'm sorry that I took credit for the genocide of your people <laughs> thing. Uh, you, like, you know, the casual apology, you know. Um, Zeb ends up saving Kaos, who's been injured um, from moon predator. I don't know. Anyways, so they end up like surviving because of each other. And mm-hmm. so there's this moment where the ghost crew finds Zeb and they're all really happy to see him. They're like, oh my gosh, Zeb, we thought you were dead. And he was like, I'm not, you know. Um, and they rescue him. They're all very happy. They're, it's, they're a family. Well, they leave Callus. He, he's like, I'm not here. <laughs> um, and he waits for the Empire to come get him. I don't know if you know this. The Empire never comes and gets him. He yes. escapes, escapes that moon because he got picked up by some trader, trading troll. Mm-hmm. and that's how he makes his way back to the empire and when he gets back to the empire he's injured he's mm-hmm. got a broken leg and he finally finds someone i think he recognizes and they're like i think and i can't remember what he says but they just like he the officer just ignores him he's like he like acknowledges him and says nothing mm-hmm. and this is that sorry anyways rebel side tangent this my, is that my moment point yes my point was <laughs> You that, brought it up. The first, yeah, I didn't expect you to go on a description of half the episode. <laughs> I, I didn't know what you're expecting. My point was, I will just go that into heavy detail. Finn chose pretty much just the first time he went into battle to change. He never really had a chance to make another choice. As soon as he saw what the Empire or the First Order was, he made a change. Kest, uh, Kestis, Kestis. <laughs> too many, too, he, too, uh, too many red haired. Uh huh. He chose mostly out of being betrayed by the Empire, not betrayed, but just like realizing that they don't care about him. Uh, and, but this, this is a different narrative. This is, we get to really see what the Empire does when they raise someone. Mm hmm and raise villages and raise children and they really uh she really uh does try to save this man by showing him who he was like the true the the truth the truth will set you free it's a cool it's a great narrative choice anyways do you have anything to say about this episode before we i loved it i think it's my second favorite uh, after in the stars well you know what time it is (laughs) hold on you told me this would be a minute but this is longer than a minute. Oh my gosh. Anyways, time for memes. And that is uh, also called Meme Parsec. I guess And some, Meme Astrosecond. I got some good ones. Eight million years of Astroseconds. <laughs> That's about how a long. A lot of Astroseconds. <laughs> um, so I've got some. I feel like these two should go in tandem. So um, for context, we are not British. So we don't care for the coronation. <laughs> However, I don't care for the crown, personally. So... Anyways, there were some really good Star Wars themed memes from the coronation. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if you have them. I am so. I, I don't want to take your thunder. Oh, this, no. I think I saw what you have. I think I'm a little more excited about the, my version. Okay. Because, and I'll set it up. I recently found a Facebook page called oh. Terrible Snoke Theories Daily. Oh, my gosh. I know what you're about to Which do. is so funny. I love this account because there were so many Snoke theories right after episode came out, episode seven came out, and pretty much They're all this. All wrong. Yes, exactly. What this page does is effectively it will just post a picture of Snoke in a thing that vaguely looks like Snoke. I know, and you're it's gonna so talk funny. about. And obviously, I don't know when this page was created, but obviously there's not <laughs> as much juice for the Snoke theory jokes anymore. 
they're funny, but they don't necessarily have, especially since Snoke has been dead since 2017. Yep. Uh, there's not a lot to do in this joke territory. I like this page account, but for this, I I didn't really know about the coronation. I logged on to Facebook, and this and this this joke got passed around a ton. You've seen, you've probably seen, if you were on the internet this last weekend, you probably saw a version of this meme. But I think this is the best possible version of this meme, and it's just a picture of is it King Charles? Yes. In a gold sparkly <laughs> outfit, and the caption from this account called "Terrible Snoke Theories Daily" is just no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. No, look at what I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I lost it this is the first time i saw this meme and for i felt so happy for this guy whoever runs this facebook account i felt so happy for him that at the center of the biggest news story of the weekend in the western world for there to be a a blatant snoke joke in the middle of the coronation like if you've seen last jedi one time you're gonna get this joke it's so good we have to post those two side by side Uh because i have one and it's just the comparison of Uh charles sitting in the throne and Snoke on his throne and it's so uncanny um <laughs> it, it looks it's the so same good. the same it's so good we're, we're totally uh maxing out the audio on, on this episode um I have another one so um a lot of the royal family was there and so we have pictures of some of Kate and William's kids um and these two very specifically Princess Charlotte and is it Prince Louis I'm sorry, I have no idea. I don't know. Anyways, it says in a coronation far, far away. And so we have Princess Charlotte oh, dressed in this. all white. Yes. And then uh-huh. I believe Prince Louis, the younger boy in all black with a very Luke Skywalker-esque <laughs> haircut. It was very cute. Um, that's all the coronation memes I have, but I have other memes. Okay, so this one, per our usual catchphrases, is not quite a meme. <laughs> Obligatory and not a meme. Uh-huh, we but I think it's ha- very funny. Hashtag of so the context, I think, is what makes this most funny because I found this purely on accident. I was not looking for this. Um, I stumbled upon a really excellent internet creator named Shane Curry. Um, some of his, he also goes by Chew Gum. Is that on Spotify, he's Shane Curry. On YouTube, he's Chew Gum. He does like little animation. He does like 3D animations with his songs. Brilliant animator. He's worked on like like American Dad and and some other major cartoons like that. Uh, Really good musician. Um, And I was looking through his list on Spotify and one particular track on his his Spotify stuck out to me. Um, And here's the main line from the song. Let me turn up my volume. If you didn't catch that first line, it was, that's pure inner John leaking from my eyes. I'm prime, I'm prime, I'm prime, I'm Optimus Prime. Isn't that incredible? That's so, I found that purely on accident. Anatomically incorrect. <laughs> they, they don't have ear t- tear ducts. Inner John is what? It'd be lubricant or coolant. Uh-huh. It's one of the two. Uh, Anyways. and Good effort, though. <laughs> Fun song. Hysterical. Check out Shane Curry on Spotify, especially the song I'm Prime, parenthesis, I am Optimus Prime. Mm. <laughs> that better, what else you got? better be in Transformers 1. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I would lose it. I Instant 10 out of 10. 
no matter what the rest of that movie is like credits if that song and i'll get look up and see if he's ever been in a transformers thing i think this is a really new song so it's unlikely but um i'm gonna see if he has an imd page anyways (laughs) continue um this is when padme has unfortunately died and she asks is anakin all right and it is Oh, what a Photoshop. <laughs> it's that iconic monkey puppet meme uh-huh. where he like, where this monkey looks just, I don't, even, I don't know if it's mortified, horrified, uh-huh. where he's like looking for it and looks to the side like, mm. and someone has photoshopped Obi-Wan's hair and beard and <laughs> robes on this monkey puppet. And it's just, it's good. It's post-Mustafar it. where, you know, is Anakin okay? And Obi-Wan's like, mm. he's not. This one's a mostly visual meme. I love visual memes. Uh, another actor's life destroyed by drugs and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... Uh, I'm actually forgetting this character's name. I just forgot it. Uh, Rizzo from the... Uh, uh, the Riz? The Muppets. The blue guy. The blue guy that they don't know what he is. down. <laughs> they don't know what he is. Let me see if that's... And th- that's one... That's on the left. On the right is... Watto from uh, the uh, the creature who mm-hmm. owned Anakin. <laughs> they look strikingly similar. <laughs> they do. Um, obligatory, not a meme, but I saw this ad from this store called Moby Fox that says officially licensed smartwatch band. I'm not sure how true that is, but it does have the Lucasfilm LTD branding. And it says, here, here is the picture of their new um, uh, straps. New Grogu strap. And this is the image they chose to accompany that. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, they really uh, whiffed on that one. So it says new Grogu strap. And then the image accompanying it is Han Solo and Carbonite 3D smartwatch (laughs) band. Oh, man. It's actually kind of impressive how detailed that is. But it's just hilarious that they said new Grogu strap. Um, also, just FYI, I totally whiffed on which Muppet that was. Rizzo is the rat. Oh. Uh, Gonzo is who uh, I was You're close. If my friend, my good friend Bailey is listening to the podcast, he's a big Muppets fan, and I apologize to oh. Bailey. I don't know if he listened to You're him. no longer friends with him. <laughs> Friendship ender. Um, that is very funny, and probably just because most advertising is artificially generated and totally fake. Yeah. Anyways, um, so this meme is the famous bird comic of like one bird is being really annoying the other one is just confused and the one bird is saying wasn't this leaf green before the other one says luke and c-3po brothers what anakin is luke's father and anakin built c-3po which technically means that they have the same father so the bird sits for a second what <laughs> i've been i feel like i've heard this joke a ton recently but this is the first time i heard it in is that- someone just asked someone asked me a friend of mine there they went is leia an eco-terrorist and i'm like what are you talking about and he goes leia got alderaan blown up and i was like no leia told them the rebel alliance was on dantooine effectively lying about where it actually was but it wasn't on alderaan and tarkin just went cool thanks for that info we're gonna blow up alderaan anyways this person tried to blame leia no it was just like a hypothetical question like, would she technically be considered an eco-terrorist? And it's like, no. <laughs> How? Like, in what way would she? I have no huh. idea. But I was like, nope. Um, I got a good meme. We've talked a lot about how Star Wars is just unwitting, unwilling fathers having to adopt children. Uh-huh. Um, 
Uh-huh. So it's the uh, uh, Spider-Man, the three Spider-Mans pointing at each other. One is Mandalorian with Grogu. The other one is Hunter with uh, Omega. And the other one is Kanan with... Uh, Ezra. Ezra. Well, I've never I've never thought about that of Kanan and Ezra falling in that oh, category. Oh, I think, I think about that one do. all the time. They absolutely they fall into that do. category. What's, who's the other? Well, I mean, um, kind of falls in the category is Obi-Wan with young Leia and Kenobi. Anakin and Ahsoka. Absolutely. I mean, they're yeah. more like... Yeah, but um, like... But oh, it's the same yeah, energy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought I had more comparisons of Star Wars is just adopting children. I mean, it's... it's I mean, especially... With the new show, we're about to see Axe Wolves and Ragnar. Pa- Ragnar <laughs> is the next duo. Um, this is this is my final meme for the uh, day. Kind of a lot. <laughs> um, again, it's another visual one. I just really want to get Rachel's reaction to this. Um, it's Miles Kanata, um, mm-hmm. famous uh, yellow uh, raisin woman <laughs> from the sequel trilogy. Oh my gosh! Uh, and she's I just have to do her like that, Cameron. <laughs> Look, she wrinkly. She says, uh, if you live long enough, this is an actual quote from the movie. If you live long enough, you see the same eyes in different people. She's talking about Ray. What are you looking at? What is this, Rachel? It's a really bad Photoshop of Ray with just the cut out Darth Sidious eyes from Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> it is terrifying it's so bad uh, and obviously the joke there is because she is palpatine's daughter oh ooh, granddaughter I, I gotta get on it oh you're right you're right yeah granddaughter um i just want you fellas if your man looks like this that's not your man that's mine <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's picture of paz Vizla and that deep fried uh emoji uh like non-smiley face with the hand reaching out oh, uh-huh, very good uh-huh. Um, you didn't have any more, did you? No, I'm out of memes. <laughs> so this was, I don't know how this could be photoshopped because people like make fake Twitter accounts for characters. Uh-huh. It says rip Paz memorial account. My male biological clock is ticking. Parentheses. I need to die in a war soon. Parentheses. <laughs> 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 um, another good one. It's very infamous meme of a woman helping an older woman walk with a walker. And the older woman has Bo-Katan's helmet pasted over her face, and the other one is the armorer. I've seen a mythosaur. Sure, Grandma, let's get you some new shoulder armor. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, this is not a beam, but it's your reaction to something I said. Um, you sent me a post on Reddit, and it was three drawings. The first drawing is... <gasps> it was on Twitter, actually. Young Boba Fett. What did I say? <laughs> Reddit. Oh, yeah, no, Twitter. Uh, It's young Boba Fett, Omega, even younger Grogu, young Din Djarin, uh, seemingly young Andor, and young Ahsoka, and the next one is all of them. And it says what year it's it's in at the bottom. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, so this is 23 BBY. I had never thought about the fact of, I love the idea of young young Din meeting Grogu. I think it's very cute. no reason for it to happen canonically mm-hmm. but i think it's cute. really cute so then you have zero bby and you have boba fett presumably grown up uh uh omega din Djarin, andor leia luke older ahsoka and the next one you have most of those characters 
And, and so I responded to you saying... And 9ABY, right? Uh, yes, yes. And I responded in saying, uh, why is Andor not in the last one? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. And it's, it's in my account, I think it's especially funny because you sent that to me with a caption, this is adorable, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> it was very sweet. And did you notice Omega is just like behind Boba Fett? Because yeah. we don't really know her fate. Yes, I, I like that the the creative decision there of she's not quite she's not not quite dead but <laughs> yeah and, and by i mean but we don't even know by even zero bby yeah we don't even is. know where we she's have at. zero idea what her future is which is like a lot of people say prequel stuff anything that's a prequel regardless of what it is doesn't work well if you have it about characters the galaxy is very large yeah exactly that's what i'm saying is like in if you're using characters that we don't know what they happen to like that's exciting because yeah. we know what happens in the future of this universe but what happens to this character like, where mm -hmm. are they what happens to them that they are not contributing to the major conflict mm -hmm. that's why rebel season four's ending is so friggin good. so good so good um so this is another fake star wars social media character post din Djarin, out here living my best life with the picture of him at the bottom of the sacred waters, <laughs> Bo-Katan Comfy, you are drowning, Dinjarin. This is the way. I love it. <laughs> it's so, so much better, like actually visual seeing it, but it's, it's still very good. good. It's I like it. Um, okay, I have some TikTok. Oh gosh, why well, have so many TikToks? I, I feel like these are duplicated, but um. Luke, when gone, am I? Last of the Jedi, will you be? Oh, I, I mean, except for Ezra Bridger. I mean, he's out there somewhere. He's just rocking it for some space whales right now, so you know. Oh, and there's also Cal Kestis. He's this <laughs> Order 66 survivor. Has a cool droid, went on a bunch of adventures. Oh, 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 and there's a little me. There's like a little Yoda, like a baby Yoda named Grogu rides around in a tennis ball like you'll probably run into him at some point oh and i nearly forgot <laughs> your father had an apprentice for the whole clone war and she survived her name's ahsoka she's a total badass but but other than that when, when i die last of the jedi will you be peace out <laughs> One of my favorite <laughs> memes I see all the time on the internet is it wasn't until that I had a kid that I understood why Yoda got so tired of Luke asking him questions that he just simply died. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is, um, I don't, this is probably just one you guys will have to watch, but it's, it's like a quote unquote conversation between the Bad Batch, members of the Bad Batch. And so it's a little bit long, so you don't have to watch the whole thing, but um, starts out with Hunter. It, this is just like some audio. Yo, you guys want to go get some D-E-S-S-E-R-T? Yeah, dude, I need me a T-R-E-A-T. What you guys talking about? Yeah, why did you guys just spell the... No, 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 shut up, don't say it. Uh, why? How do we tell you this? Simon can't spell. And Simon is Wrecker. What? He can't spell, <laughs> so when we talk about something he wants, we spell it out loud so he doesn't get too excited. He's a grown man. He can't handle hearing the word treat. Treat? No treat. Treat? No treat. Treat? No treat. Aww. Okay, what is happening? I love it. He gets That's um, it's, it's good. It, it continues. It's, it's, it's good. It's very, very adorable. Um... 
says, this is from Jedi Fallen Order. The Force led me astray. Trust Oh no! Oh, he's getting wrecked by a big fan! Oh no! He just keeps getting hit by it over and over! And now he's on the other side, he's fine. Oh no, it's gonna happen again. He oh, really if play. he had gone into the next fan and done the same thing, it would have been really funny. You didn't really play Jedi Survive or Jedi Fallen Order unless you accidentally, like, unless you froze a fan and immediately just got decimated by it because you poorly timed your jump. Uh, this says the Star Wars Cantina song, it's a 2023 club banger, and Yoda hypes you up right before the beat drop. It's just. That is it. Very fun. Fun fact: um, If you ever road trip with me, um, there is a one in nine hundred song chance that Cantina Band will come on. <laughs> um, th- uh, yeah, that that is. Uh, sorry, I think. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a low chance, but it's really fun when it comes out of nowhere on the shuffle. <laughs> Because it's just immediate Cantina band. Um, so this says Marvel Comics. This is not the way. And so, for context, sometimes when you buy a comic book, depending on what artist they hire, can get just different style results. So this was a comic made about the first season of The Mandalorian. Oh my god! Okay, this is what I wanted. Okay, this is the pastel. Marvel Comics. This is and not this the is way. Oh, um, so sometimes when they make uh, when they make comics, they will trace directly from the source material, but <laughs> translating it from live action is just not always the best. And so what happened was they compared the shot of when Din first has his helmet removed by IG in the season finale, of Mandalorian, and the comic, the comic panel that replicates it. It is a bad translation. It's not the best rendition that we've seen of Pedro Pascal. Oh, wait, it went away? (laughs) I just just showed her the classic Rage comic face of uh, the basketball player Yao Ming. That looks like the the please classic (laughs) meme. Um, So here's my last one, my last TikTok, and then we can be done. Uh, So it says, uh, Bad Batch episodes about the batch. Um, and this is a little TF2 animation. And it's the uh, the, the flamethrower guy running through all the Happy rainbows time. and unicorns. Crosshair episodes? <laughs> That's, the, that's what he's actually doing, setting everyone on fire. <laughs> yeah, so it was just, it's... I so really accurate. good, very good. So accurate. I like it a lot. So that that is all I have. Well, this is a fun episode, Rachel. Um, thank you to our listeners, and as always, thank you to Caleb Jacoby for our intro and outro music. Props to Rachel for our artwork and Twitter account at Rebels Robots Pod. Props to Cameron for editing this very long episode and also for lending <laughs> me a pair of headphones tonight because I forgot mine. <laughs> Uh, give us something to read on the pod leave us a review tweet or DM us memes or opinions let us know what you think about Star Wars Visions Volume 2 um, this is Cameron and Rachel signing off saying I'm
that's what I am Optimus Prime. That's what uh, the War Dawn credit should be. <laughs> Started five million years ago. Nine million. Get your numbers right. Oh my right. gosh! Excuse me. Two hours of recording. <laughs> oh my gosh, for real. An hour 58. Dang. 52. Apologies to our friend who listens to all of these. <laughs> <laughs>